Hello there, everyone, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your great day to join us for Mood Food Series 1, Episode Number 2. I'm your host, Jason Gordon, and we are so grateful you are with us today. We have a great podcast today. It's going to be from a historical perspective about the month of May being Mental Health Awareness Month. So make sure that you tell all your friends and family to tune into this podcast because we're going to give you a little history lesson in some important things today. A little disclaimer before we get started is the views expressed in this podcast called Mood Food are mine and mine alone. In no way do the opinions expressed represent the views, positions, or opinions of the Department of the Air Force, Department of Defense, the United States government, including resources listed today. Can you believe that? My goodness. Thank you so much for everyone who has already subscribed to us. We're on all the platforms out there. You've already put in some great comments. We appreciate that. Please tell all your friends and family to follow us, like us, subscribe to us, comment on us, give us that star power. We really appreciate that out there because we're doing this for you. We love this kind of stuff. I love this kind of stuff. I actually used to be a radio DJ, so this is great getting back into behind the microphone and talking and preaching at people and uh, just hopefully giving some words of wisdom. And I'm kidding about the preaching part. So make sure that you do tell everyone about our podcast. And we really appreciate everyone out there from South Korea, Pam and Brandy, to folks in Germany and in Guam, Miss Sarah, my sister in Florida, and Brianna, my niece in Florida, and uh, Dr. Greenwich over there in Florida. We have a lot of listeners, and we really appreciate that already. Even from the first episode, we're really getting a lot of info back, and we really appreciate that. It's very encouraging encouraging and uh, thank you for that. So today's podcast I named Stay Well Beyond May. And so earlier I told you that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. How many of you out there actually knew that? Well, probably not many because it's not really publicized. I I didn't even realize it after, until I went through uh, researching today's title and Unless you know of the organizations that really put the information out there, it's not well out there. You have to kind of know about it in order to research for it So uh, and look for the items that may be promotional items or anything that's out there literature-wise to promote the month of May as being Mental Health Awareness Month. And did you know that this particular Awareness Month has been around since 1949? I certainly did not. And uh, according to the U.S. National Library of Medicine and the National Institutes of Health, Clifford Whittingham Beers was one of the earliest advocates for mental health. He actually was a patient himself for three years suffering from depression. He was institutionalized for those three years just for having depression. During that time, he recognized that the conditions and the stigma of mental health was alive and well, even during that time. So he became one of the most influential advocates for patients suffering from mental illness. And he worked very, very hard at improving institutional care and promoting the importance of addressing mental health care. And he fought to reduce the mental health stigma even during that time. Mental health stigma, folks, is still alive and well today. Uh, There's not a day that goes by that I hear it, I see it, and I still can't believe it. It's, It's an uncomfortable, it's taboo, it's an uncomfortable subject, but 
people don't realize that there's no one immune to it, that they have to know at least one person who suffers from something. Everybody has something. It's just a matter how you react to it. And it's not taboo. It's something that needs to be addressed. It's something that should be, you should be able to talk about. So even back then, this fine gentleman, Clifford Whittingham Beers, that's B-E-E-R-S, was out there being that advocate that they needed during that time. So he also is known for placing guidance counselors in the school setting. So if you have a chance, there's more information about him and some books out there about him. Look him up. It's very interesting to kind of read about his journey as going from patient to advocate. And you'll definitely be intrigued by his steady determination to be that agent of change for a population that is still stigmatized pretty heavily today. So talking about today, we're going to move into the present day and time. So according to Psychology Today, when I was researching this, I found a great article from Psychology Today, and it broke down the stats for the United States of America about how many people actually suffer from some form of mental illness. And did you know that in U.S. alone, they broke it down to about 44 million people? That's a lot of folks. And that is from the kiddos up into adulthood. That in, that captures everyone. That's a lot of folks that's walking around. Some getting help, some not. Uh, and I and I would I would debate that there's more than that out there. Uh, that 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 everyone should be included in that count because we all suffer from something. And we, especially think about it from. If we lose someone very special, we're going to be sad for a while. Or if we lose our job or if our marriage fails or if we are diagnosed with something very, very uh, tough to cope with and to treat, our whole worlds are turned upside down. And we we really need to have resources in place, destigmatize getting help uh, so that people can feel well supported, even in the most adverse times. So with that, when we're breaking that down, even now, the most common diagnosis in the United States is major depressive disorder and anxiety. Could you imagine that the 44 million people that have been recorded as having some form of mental illness, if they were institutionalized today, that's a lot of the population in a hospital and there's not enough mental health workers There's not enough staff. There's not enough buildings really to hospitalize these folks. So what are they doing? They're going to outpatient clinics. They're they're going to uh, support groups. And that's a good thing. But the main thing is, is we still need uh, a lot of work in that area to offer support, but mostly break the stigma so people can feel comfortable going and getting support. It's very difficult when people come into your office, they meet a, a complete stranger and start pouring out their life to you. And I always tell my patients, look, I understand. I know it's difficult even to walk, even to drive into the parking lot of our clinic. It's very difficult to get out of your car, to have that strength, to walk in the door, to give someone your name, your personal information, to check you in, to give you paperwork, to come back, tell your story about what's going on to a complete stranger that knows nothing about you. You're very nervous. You're usually very anxious. You're wondering what they're thinking. 
if I hear it one time, if I've heard it one time, I've heard it many times where people and patients will ask me, am I going crazy? I'm like, no, you're, you're alive. You're not going crazy. This is just life happening. And right now it's not going for you, but you're in the right place. It took a lot of strength to drive to this parking lot, to get out of your car, to walk into the clinic, to get that support. Folks, I'm telling you, we all have our stuff. It's important that you find someone you can love and trust and have hope that they're going to help you get through that difficult time and moment. When I continued my research, I continued to see those trends of major depressive disorder and anxiety kind of go from all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. And many different areas have more patients than others. And so that's why now more than ever that May really needs to be publicized as the Mental Health Awareness Month. It really needs to be pushed to all the media streams to capture audiences everywhere to encompass all works of life. Mental illness does not discriminate. And in some cultures more than others, it is highly scrutinized and highly stigmatized. There's some great websites out there like NAMI, that's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They have a lot of great resources for folks to to look at. If you know family members or anyone that you know may be suffering from some form of mental illness, help them. Don't abandon them. Try to walk them through some resources. Connect them with the community so that they can, too, see life vibrant and happy again. It's very important. This year... Uh, The National Institute of Health is really focusing on fitness and taking care of our minds, utilizing what I have been preaching here at the base when talking with my patients, which is basically changing behaviors to better your overall well-being. And that's either psychologically or physically. The two really complement each other, folks. And I know when I run, I do a lot of thinking. I do a lot of processing. And when I get off the treadmill, honestly... I have solved my own problems somewhat, or at least I think I've solved my own problems. And I've also burned calories and have exerted some energy. Otherwise, it could be used to not bring good things to my life, like worry and anxiety and fear. And uh, I feel a lot better. And that goes with them interchanging and working together, uh, which is it's, it's a great thing, folks. All right. So. They two, the two very, uh, very well complement each other and are proven to promote and improve your overall wellness. Now, if you have underlining health conditions, please talk with your doctors first. Some modifications might need to be made in order to complete some of the items. And I'm about to share with you some of these items that they really are promoting this year. And I'm not responsible for any injuries out there in case you want to try these things. So make sure you get medical clearance first. And the tips I'm sharing with you, of course, is public knowledge. You can go out there and research it. It's all out there. So here are some of the items to focus on, not only for the month of May, but I want you to consider adopting these for every day. Awareness months are good. They're great. It really helps bring to the to surface items and importances that people may have forgotten about or or we need to add more uh, emphasis on. But what I find concerning is people only want to live through that. It's almost like New Year's. People have these resolutions. They have these changes they want to make. It shouldn't take a month to remind you or to promote or I'm sorry, motivate you to to want to make these changes in your life. It should be your own 
your own inner self, your own well-being, your own not well-being, but your own your own voice inside of you telling you, you know, I don't like this what you're doing and let's let's change this and here's how to change it. And if you don't know that, then talk with somebody about that. And you'll have that support, someone to hold you accountable for making those changes. It's very important. It's very important not only for May to start these changes or January to start your changes, but if you do make it consistent, make it more than just for the month of emphasis, make it the entire year. Sometimes your life will depend on it, right? So make sure that you you adopt those changes and make them for you. Everyone's going to apply these tips I'm about to share with, with you differently. But make them work for you. I promise you, you won't regret it. You will not regret this. All right, so number one, engage in physical activity for at least 30 minutes a day, and that can be walking. It's a great way to meet that goal. I like to run as I keep promoting here. And number two, make sure you stay connected to positive people. Engage in positive conversations with folks that lift you up and not mentally drain you. How many of you out there have had conversations with family or friends and you just feel absolutely drained after you have talked with them and you kind of figure out what, or you try to figure out what on earth is it about this person that I just feel mentally exhausted after talking with them. And sometimes it may not be anything. Maybe it just, you're tired, but sometimes it might be too, maybe they're negative. Maybe they're pessimistic one um, about things. Maybe they never have anything uh, complimentary to say about you. Maybe they're very critical of you. I just, I just encourage you to limit your interaction with them. If they're not picking you up, they're usually putting you down. So make sure you you regulate your your interactions with folks like that. And I have a funny story here. My granny, uh, I love her. I miss her very much. She lived to be 95. She passed away in 2009. But and every day I feel like that she's always with me. And, and whether I'm cooking or whether I'm giggling and laughing about something, making a comment or something, one of the comments that she used to make, and I knew it, I knew it, that I could see it in her eyes that if we were around someone that was exhausting her. And this is the funny thing, too. She did not filter herself. And she would say this right in front of the person that was draining her. And so she would raise her right hand, make it like a little hand puppet. And she'd start shaking her head from left to right. And she would go, talk, talk, talk. This person just talk, talk, talks. And I would just bust out laughing, not only because she said it, but she said it right there in front of the person that was really exhausting her. So when I was writing this script, I was I was giggling and laughing about that because I can just hear her say that right now. She knew that that person was draining her. And then I realized then that she was really limiting her interactions with them after uh, the first time I witnessed that. And I'd say, hey, Granny, have you called so-and-so? No, I have not. I'm like, okay, then I won't ask you to call them again. So we're going to move on to number three now. I could talk about my granny all day. Eating healthy and making healthy and nutritious food choices. Food co-ops are a great source of finding fresh fruits and veggies. And so make sure that you eat two to three well-balanced meals a day. And I would just say, look on the internet for some of the food co-ops that may be available in your area. We did here in Southern California and absolutely love it. We have, we got a big basket of veggies and a big basket of fruit and 
It was outstanding. They had a lot of a lot of neat things in there. Uh, a lot of things you don't see in the grocery store and in large quantity too for a huge discount in the price. So if you have a chance to do that and they love it too, you're supporting them and uh, it's a locally owned business, they would greatly appreciate that. Plus you're eating healthy. It's just a great thing to do. You'll feel good about it. Okay, moving on to number four. I love to drink water, folks. And so Dr. Greenwich over in Florida can confirm and my family can confirm that normally if you see me, I have a gallon of water or I have a liter of water or I have a cup of water or something. Probably because I like to talk so darn much as you guys already have figured that out. Um, but I do drink a lot of water. It's very healthy to do that. And unless medically contraindicated, it's recommended that you drink at least three liters of water a day. A lot of folks will try to do this and be sneaky about it. That is, they'll try to include, oh, I just had a soda or I'm drinking coffee and that's my fluid intake. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. That doesn't count. And I love my coffee and my sodas, but I also drink lots and lots of water. Number five is, and this is a very difficult one for myself because I like to bake also, is avoid high sugar content foods processed foods, and foods that contain large amounts of saturated fats. It's very difficult. I know I love my drive throughs as well, but I do have to limit myself to that. It's very important that you are eating healthy so you can think healthy. Also, number six is sleeping is a very common issue, even for myself. And so you make sure you try to start a structured sleeping pattern and stick to it. Sleeping in many households is definitely a luxury. Uh, try to make sure that you are getting enough. The recommendation is at least eight hours per night. Now, and when I read this, I was like, ha, yeah, right. Who gets eight hours of sleep per night unless you're retired? But uh, there are folks out there who actually do get eight hours of restful sleep a night and they still work full time. They're a parent. They're 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 very busy. Uh, but the key to that is, is they live a very active and positive lifestyle. They try to process the stressors for the day before they start being haunted by them at night in the bed. So make sure you try to take care of your business, get your side of the street clean before you climb into the bed at night so that whenever you close your eyes, you have that peace beyond all understanding that you're going to get a good night's rest. Number seven, watch your alcohol intake. A very important item to drive home, you know, is important not to start bad habits while you're working from home, especially now. Uh, That's the last thing you want to do, and it's not good for your mood, and it can lead to more uh, aggravation, troubles, and trials for your life. Just try to limit yourself, and if you can't, get help with that or have someone hold you accountable with, you know, never drink alone. Have someone there with you that's going to hold you accountable and uh, help you out in case you're having any issues. So please decrease your alcohol intake. And number eight, make sure that you take time to stay active and present with those in your household. Go for walks, cook and eat dinner together, play board games, do things together. This is a time for America really to heal, to slow down, to take care of each other. And I get it. I know there are people out there who want to go back to work. And I and I, I get that. And if your jobs are allowing that, heck yeah, be safe. Be smart about it. Go back to work so you're so you can maintain that well-being. If you don't have income coming in, that's going to be more stress. So make sure if you can't go back to work that you're utilizing those local resources that can help you 
sustain uh, food in your home, keep your lights on, keep your water going, gas in your car if you need it. Just make sure that you're reaching out to those local resources. Now more than ever, people are utilizing those resources that in the past maybe they thought they would have never had to utilize. But it's important that you, when all of this hopefully will pass, things will still never be the same. Don't forget about those agencies out there that have been helping people, maybe some of your family members, maybe yourself, you know, keep them in your thoughts and your prayers. And if you have a chance, once the end comes, start coming back in and stabilize, give a little donation or your time to give back as they have given to you. So number nine. Make sure you keep away from toxic information, people, and media. And I kind of harped on that the first episode. You know, information, bad information in is usually going to compute with bad information out. And it's not going to leave you with a good feeling. So make sure you try to occupy your brain space and the real estate in your mind with positive things. And uh, if there's a piece in your brain or your mind or your thoughts, an area of your of your your whole brain that is nothing but a negative uh, thought, Uh, creating factory, put that piece of property up for sale, sell it to the lowest bidder, get rid of it. And that way you can move on to a different neighborhood in the brain that's going to be, or you invest in it, demolish it and put up something more positive in that area. I know that sounds silly, but hey, you know, we, we need some, we need some tools and some skill sets here to, uh, and some uh, coping skills to, to better think about some of the things that's been going on lately. And then number 10, take time for yourself. And that goes back to uh, finding that area in your life or in your brain or wherever and changing it, reshaping it, making it work for you instead of against you. Self-care is key. You're going to have to have energy. You're going to have to be in a good state of mind uh, to make things happen and uh, to keep that motivation going. It's not being selfish. It's called self-care. So make sure you invest in yourself. So you can help others as well. You know, read a book, exercise, meditate, pray, whatever is going to work for you. And recognize and embrace your emotions, folks. Uh, Don't try to avoid how you're feeling. Try to work through it productively. Bottling things up, as you well know, does not work. It never will. It never has, never will. And then work through them productively and have patience with yourself. We are living in the days of exposure at its finest. And we are not born knowing how to react to the items that we are sometimes feeling and faced with. So just go with it, embrace it, and work through it productively. And if you have to, have someone help you with that. There are people out there that are willing to help you with that. So don't try to do it alone if you find yourself where you can't do it. And use tools to thrive. And I know it's not going to be easy, but I know you can do it. I believe in you. Some of you I may not even know. But I believe in you and you may have people, you may have um, a statement that you use periodically in your life where no one, no one believes in you or no one has confidence in you. But I do. I don't know you, but I do. And I know you can do this. If you put the work into it, you're going to get something out of it. You can make it happen for yourself by taking baby steps towards behaviors in your life that you want to change. And once you change them, I want you to do a couple of things for me. I want you to celebrate that change that you successfully had the nerve and the power to change for yourself and to make happen for you. You did that. And that's awesome. Celebrate it and build off of your success. 
because if you are building off of a strong foundation, there ain't nothing stopping you. So that's going to be doing it for me today, folks. I think I've talked long enough. And uh, as you well know, I do love trying to help folks as much as I can. And uh, I love that we are doing this now. And we appreciate all your support. If there's any ideas or suggestions, once again, let me know. And I'd be more than happy to put that out here. Thank you so much for joining us for today's broadcast of Mood Food. Please make sure you subscribe to us, you rate us, you like us, and recommend us to all your friends and family. Remember the disclaimer at the beginning. I'm sticking to that. And remember to keep your mood full of positive mental food. Thanks again for joining us today, folks. God bless you. Be safe out there. And until next time, we will talk to you soon.